Section twenty two of The American Egypt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in October two thousand fourteen. The American Egypt by Channing Arnold and Frederick J. Tabor Frost. Section twenty two, Chapter fifteen who were the mayans at the beginning of the last chapter we stated it as our conviction that the marvellous buildings which we have described are not monuments of a vanished race the mayans who today inhibit yucatan chiapas tabasco guatemala the hondurases and sporadically southern mexico are undoubtedly the lineal descendants of the building mayans who then were these mayans either they were totally unrelated to the peoples on each side of them inhabiting north and south america from whom they were so strangely differentiated by their astonishing skill as architects and invaded central america bringing with them from their cradle-land a knowledge of building or they were akin to all the other tribes of american aborigines and derived their building capacities from outside sources we believe that the latter is the truth and in this chapter we shall endeavor to show what their affinities with the other peoples of america were following this up by an inquiry into the question of the origin of their architecture in the comparison we drew in the last chapter between egypt and yucatan we dwell on the fact that while in the former the students of history and archaeology found a land which for centuries had been overwhelmed with an intellectual darkness so complete that the people had forgotten they had ever had a civilization in yucatan an actual living civilization was found by the spaniards but the impenetrable darkness which shrouded egypt's past proved really a blessing to those who set to work to piece together the ancient national life once the key to the mystery was discovered in the rosetta stone students could go steadily ahead undistracted by the will o the wisps of legend and tradition not so in central america where every earnest inquirer whether he would or not has found himself befogged by a myriad historical fairy tales the majority of those who have striven to throw light on the mayan problem have been about as successful as the boy who tried to find the end of the rainbow by walking towards where it seemed to rest on the hillside it was a long journey they had before them and they did not bother to think but rushed into dame history's stable and vaulted on to the back of the horse tradition he is certainly a most attractive mount a superb animal yet quiet to ride and drive just in fact the easy-going well-fed showy park hack from the well-worn saddle of which the most inexpert rider need fear no faults there is a raw nasty-tempered creature in the next stall but nearly every one has fought shy of him this is the horse facts as hard as his name with a mouth like iron and the very devil in his rolling eye just like the park hack he is tradition has ambled with its riders up the row and down the row and carried them nowhere 
we will try to saddle facts and see where he will take us the horse tradition has been taught one trick he takes the low toltec fence like a practised hunter and his delighted riders put him at it again and again never tiring of taking their turn at clearing it on the back of their noble mount toltec has become the password the shibboleth which admits one to the freemasonry of mayan archaeology without it you are a lost soul a heretic fit only for the rack and stake of the archaeological inquisitors among the good people who worry round the mayan problem this toltec rubbish has become a veritable bogey we are now going to do our best to lay this spook once and for all but first what is the toltec theory to which whosoever will attain archaeological nirvana must subscribe his credo the toltecs are a people who dropped from the clouds into mexico at or about the seventh century of our era bringing with them building specifications and being mysteriously possessed of a high civilization dotted mexico and the nearer parts of central america with marvelous palaces and temples tradition has it that they came to mexico no one bothers to say whence in six hundred forty eight and founded the city of tula supposed to be identical in sight at least with the present town of that name about forty miles to the north of mexico city they flourished for many centuries increasing and spreading over the whole of mexico numbering at the height of their prosperity some four or five millions through famine pestilences and wars waged on them by other nations of the north they gradually diminished and were finally driven down into chiapas guatemala and yucatan during this enforced emigration they were supposed to have built the city of palenque and those on the usumachinta in tabasco the many buildings found in western guatemala and southern yucatan finally they reached chicken itza whence they later migrated down the eastern coast of yucatan to copan and quiriga in eastern guatemala a minor controversy has raged around the question of the site of their cradle city tula some theorists have held that it was somewhere on the coast they generously give you the whole eastern seaboard of mexico from which to choose one of the enthusiastic Tulaites, deeming it well to hedge, suggests three possible sites, one on the Pacific coast, another on the Gulf of Mexico, and a third on the Atlantic coast of Guatemala, south of Honduras. Toltec bogey or not, this egregious theorizer has at least the satisfaction of knowing that with three sites so far apart he cannot very well help being on the right coast the plain truth is as we wrote earlier that this toltec theory represents a myth bred of a confusion of historical facts which if critically examined flatly contradict it in his myths of the new world eighteen sixty eight the late d g brinton then whom no one has given a more whole-hearted and enlightened attention to the problem writes the story of tula and its inhabitants the toltecs so currently related in ancient mexican history is a myth and not history in a paper entitled were the toltecs an historical nationality 
read before the philosophical society of america on the second of september eighteen eighty seven provoked by a monograph written by m desire charnay to defend the theory he wrote as a translation of this work has been recently published in this country it appears to me the more needful that the baseless character of the toltec legend be distinctly stated what troy was to the grecan poets the fall of tula the toltec capital was to the singers and story-tellers of the anahuac an exhaustible field of imagination for glorification and lamentation let it be understood hereafter that whoever uses these names in an historic sense betrays an ignorance of the subject he handles which were it in the better-known field of aryan or egyptian lore would convict him of not meriting the name of a scholar the shortest way of dealing with this farrago of myth is to take the war at once into the enemy's camp let us take the point upon which all the toltec enthusiasts agree namely that the toltecs came from the north now let us look at this vague north and see whether there exist in that direction any such traces as we should expect these highly civilized toltecs to have left behind them no there are none scour that north as vigorously as you will you find nothing save the ruins in arizona and colorado which are mere heaps of unmortared stones and of such crude workmanship as to date themselves even to the satisfaction of the most short-sighted inquirer well into historic and post-spanish times there are no actual building evidences then let us next see whether a study of the tribes massed from earliest times in that vague north will help us at all let us review the groupings of the barbaric tribes which inhabited america north of mexico at the time of the spanish conquest and see whether we can find the smallest ethnic loophole for these toltecs and their civilization almost rivaling that of egypt to have wriggled through taking the northwest first the particular quarter towards which all good toltecites gaze with awe as being the direction from which the toltecs came what do we find from time immemorial this northwest had been inhabited by the vast athapascan stock stretching from the canadian rockies down to mexico one of their largest tribes the shoshones occupied northwest mexico of these athapascan peoples it has been written they are nearer the brutes than probably any other portion of the human race it is obvious that there is no comfort for the toltecites in this direction well let us take the northeast who lived there the Appalachians lived there a loose confederation says brinton embracing most of the nations from the atlantic coast quite into texas the majority of the tribes forming this family such as the creeks the choctaws and the seminoles were nomadic hunting peoples a few only stationary and those with no record of any civilization the appalachians then are as hopeless as a source of comfort for the theorists as the athapascans wedged in between the athapascans and the appalachians were the algonquins essentially a hunting race of strictly nomad habits 
thus the three great peoples who formed the impenetrable ethnic frontier of mexico at the time of and no doubt long anterior to the conquest are clearly seen to have been uncultured peoples their only dwellings the wigwam their chief occupation the chase redoubtable fighters but undistinguished by those victories of peace which as the poet sings are more renowned than war it is fairly certain then that these much talked of toltecs could not nay did not come overland from the north driven thus from all hope landwards the unfortunate theorists having rashly embarked on the sea of myth must now launch on a far rougher sea namely the atlantic or pacific their heroes must have come from the ocean venus-like they arose perhaps from the foam seriously though such a proposition is nearly as complete a fairy tale as the greek legend of the goddess of love when one sees the maintainers of the oversea route obliged to say as dr p h j j valentini does that any one of the points of the compass may have been the direction from which this remarkable people came one is face to face with arguments too vague to be worthy of being called arguments at all there is no dealing with such rash generalizations one must leave their amiable employers to get what comfort they can from them with just this reservation the toltec tradition and its dates demand the acceptance of the postulate that the toltecs arrived in mexico in considerable numbers for between six hundred forty eight a d the generally accepted date of their traditionary landing and the twelfth century when they were expelled by the aztecs there is not time for a mere handful of immigrants to have metamorphosed themselves into a nation numbering many millions as the toltec story insists on our believing they must therefore have landed in great quantities and such an exodus as this presupposes well within historic times too must have left no matter what land they hailed from some record behind it no such record exists in any quarter of the globe of an exodus of even approximate date so far then these toltecs are veritable spectre people coming from nowhere going nowhere like the coffin of mahomet suspended in the mid-air of mexico's traditionary history let us now pass on to chapter two of the toltec romance this is concerned with the arrival in mexico of the militant aztecs now who are the aztecs d g brinton dr richardson and all students of american ethnology agree in believing them to have been a branch tribe of the savage and warlike athapascans this view is unassailable on physical and philological grounds their arrival in mexico is probably fairly accurately given by their traditions as towards the end of the twelfth or the beginning of the thirteenth century every one is agreed that at the time of their invasion they were simply barbaric warriors they brought no building specifications with them nothing in short but a thirst for battle and new lands now whom did they find in mexico they found a race whom they at once nicknamed toltecs here then at last we are getting to grips with these mysterious folk 
toltec is a pure aztec or nahuatl word which is believed to have had a primary meaning of those who dwelt at tonalan place of the sun some authorities following the codex ramirez derive it from tolin rush that is the place of the rushes but which in Neta Nahuatl, according to Dr. Otto Stoll, undoubtedly had the meaning of skilled craftsman, artificer, or builder. The Aztecs had never seen a building before, and they just as naturally christened the race they had conquered by an allusion to their chief characteristic, their strange building skill, as the coalition of Germanic tribes in the third century gained the name Franks from their chief characteristic, their love of freedom what could possibly be clearer toltec is a local name having no existence at all till the arrival of the aztecs a mere nickname we shall hope to prove for the mexican branch of the vast family of affiliated tribes which had from prehistoric times inhabited central america and a fact most important of all to grasp inhabited to-day in a word the Toltecs are the Mayans. When you have realized all this, it is surely very easy to see how the Toltec myth, which has proved the undoing of so many earnest students, arose. The Aztecs came out of the north. There is at least no doubt of that. More, there is every reason to believe that they came from the northwest the very quarter so fanatically urged as the direction whence came the Toltecs. It is doubtful whether they could speak the language of the race they ousted. In fact, it is by no means a bold assumption to declare they could not. With them they undoubtedly brought many traditions. When you grasp all this, and realize the further fact that Tula, the much-talked-of Toltec city, that place which is, it is suggested, identifiable with the present-day town forty miles north of Mexico City, became the first Aztec capital in their new land, and remained so till, under Moctezuma's leadership, they advanced and founded Tenochtitlan, the present city of Mexico, the blindest and most obtuse can surely see what the truth is. The whole Toltec imbroglio is the result of a confusion between the histories of two people. The Aztecs came from the north. The Mayans were architects. Though they were first and foremost fighters, the conquerors appear to have taken very kindly to their conquered neighbors' civilization. Becoming in their turn architects, nothing would be more natural than the arrogant Aztecs should have at least arrived at such an identification of themselves with the Mayans that the traditions and histories of the two races became once and for all inextricably mingled till they formed such an indivisible tangle as to defy the efforts of chroniclers to unravel. The confusion between the story of the two peoples just as naturally resulted in the Tula portion of the Toltec myth. It was in all probability the first place at which the Aztecs saw the buildings which so astonished them, as it certainly would seem to have been the place which they chose as their early capital. The importance thus attached by them to it would very naturally in the course of time give it an importance in the history of the Toltec Mayans who had been expelled from it. As the early stories of the two peoples became confused, 
Tula would be traditionally believed to be the first city of the Toltecs as well as that of their conquerors. That it was not the first city built in Mexico by the Toltec Mayans, we have not the slightest doubt. We do not go so far as D. G. Brinton, we cannot agree with him that it was built by the Aztecs or Mexicans. It probably was a town in existence at the coming of the Aztecs, though quite a small settlement of a race which had by that time dotted a large part of their present territory which far greater cities. That it had any greater significance to its founders, there is not a tittle of real evidence. It was simply the first town to which the Aztecs came, and around it and its past imagination ran riot. The tendency of semi-civilized peoples to exaggerate some fact of no importance into a great feat or epoch-making event is exemplified again and again in history. Thus it is natural enough that Tula should have attained a traditionary importance out of all proportion to its real place in Toltec Mayan history. The only ultimate authorities for the Toltec theory are the two chroniclers Ixtlilxochitl, a Mexican native, and Vietia, a Spaniard, both of whom wrote their histories subsequent to the conquest. There is no reason to believe them willfully misleading, they simply recorded traditions then and always current. They had at their disposal the whole existing writings and traditions of their times, they had the picture writings, and doubtless consulted the oldest and most intelligent of the Indians. But what of these sources of knowledge? The picture writings were simply the compilations of the Aztecs, and were of no great date. Indeed, it is certain that most of them were not written until the century previous to the conquest. As to the Indians, it is obvious that such oral tradition as they had to communicate could be of very little real service to the historian. They were one and all enslaved and degraded by the Spaniards, and traditions, if not got from unmolested, unconquered natives, are always unreliable, as it has been proved again and again by the missionaries working among subjugated races. Under such circumstances, it is notorious that natives will tell any fairy tales which a fertile imagination, or a desire to ingratiate themselves with their new masters, dictates. Such, then, is the flimsy foundation upon which the whole Toltec structure has been reared. Now, who were the people whom the Aztecs named Toltecs? We have already declared them to have been the ancestors of the present Mayans of Yucatan and the surrounding countries, in a word, Mayans themselves. Let us see if we can get some way on the road to proof of our assertion. That a people were living in Mexico before the Aztec invasion cannot be doubted. But if, as these Toltec enthusiasts would have us believe, they were apart from any and all other American peoples, where are they today? From the land of ice to the land of fire, there was not a spot that was so thickly populated at the discovery of America that a weaker tribe need have been wiped out. America was so sparsely inhabited that a conquered tribe could always find some direction to flee and form a new settlement. 
but if we accept the toltec myth we have to believe that a nation numbering some four or five millions in the eleventh century had at the time of the conquest four centuries later disappeared it is just possible but it is most improbable but if they did not disappear where are we to look for this mislaid nation tradition says they went south but was the country to the south of mexico uninhabited then for if these toltecs were not strong enough to withstand the attacks of the aztecs in their own strongholds it is scarcely reasonable to suppose they would be of sufficient strength or in sufficient numbers to possess themselves of and conquer the inhabitants of a country along the fertile plains of one part of which guatemala they would have found it may be reasonably supposed as dense a population as the spaniards found later the toltec theory presumes that the expelled architects went south and found vast empty spaces where they continued their building operations this is presuming altogether too much yucatan chiapas guatemala were all inhabited at that time what the spaniards found there proves that much but if you accept our suggestion that the toltecs were but an outlying branch of the great mayan race which possessed all central america from arizona and texas to the frontier line of nicaragua then the miraculous disappearance of the toltecs is not miraculous at all they fled south among their own people and became absorbed by a natural process in the various parts of mayan territory where they found buildings as great and greater than any they had built in their northern mexican home far from the fugitives of the militant aztecs being the founders of the wonderful cities in yucatan and guatemala they were at the time of their flight probably much less civilized than their cousins at chichen or palenque but who were these mayans and where did they obtain their knowledge of building no race can develop the art of building in stone without leaving well-marked traces of its slow growth first there is the rough stone building which would be traceable in heaps of crumbling rough-hewn stones where they had fallen next would come that stage where they would learn to mortar the stones together perhaps adding rude ornamentation on the exterior walls very slowly the roughness would give place to better hewn stones patterns in the ornamentation would be evolved and finally you would get the same ornamentation all over the country identical as is the decoration of such cities as kaba chichen and uxmal but there is no crude work in yucatan the unornamented buildings such as the akad tzip at chichen are obviously of the same date as the ornamented structures they have the same form the same finish of stone and everything points to the fact that the plainness of buildings was deliberate and in some way in keeping with the purpose of the edifice we have searched for the early stages of the mayan building civilization in the caves of yucatan where traces if anywhere of the embryonic efforts of the architects might be expected but we searched in vain of those caves that have been inhabited there are but few that have any signs of building inside and none with any traces of carvings 
a typical cave of those which had been built in we found in Cozumel island but it was almost certain that it had not been used as a habitation for any long period its front which had stood exposed to weather and the intrusion of wild beasts had been built up with a doorway in the centre its floor of earth was found some four feet beneath the debris that had blown in and collected since its ancient occupiers had deserted it and just under this level were found a small jar of beads and scattered around were potsherds in a layer of charcoal where the cave dweller had done his cooking it is the opinion of mr henry c mercer hill caves of yucatan philadelphia eighteen ninety six who in eighteen ninety six examined most of the caves of the southern sierras that they were not dwellings but mere halting places of a wandering people he could find in them no trace of an evolution of stone building of those that had any kind of carving he says they are random sketchy figures many of which suggested pictographs of north american indians with a few exceptions there was little of the mannerism of yucatan about them and if they had been inscribed on a cliffside of the Susquehanna or in Ohio, few of them would have seemed out of place. The objects which he found, and the depth at which he found them, only went further to prove that his conclusions were correct. Bones of animals which had served as food, charcoal and potsherds, with earth of sometimes a foot deep between the layers, went to show that the cave was inhabited and evacuated and then left for some years before it was again occupied from the fact that horses teeth were found in many of them but always of course in the topmost layers it may be assumed that the caves were in use perhaps only when a rout was taking place after the arrival of the spaniards but the fact that none of the potsherds discovered in the caves are like those usually found among the ruins and especially the fact that no vases with hieroglyphics on them are found go to show that the caves in yucatan were but little in use if at all among the building mayans from all this it would seem safe to conclude that if these caves were ever permanent habitations it was at a period anterior to the great building age of the mayan race when their civilization was in the crude stage to which many of the north americans had attained this conclusion is certainly supported by the fact above referred to that the coarse carvings at opichen are almost facsimiles of those of the pictographs of the northern tribes thus everything would seem to point to the conclusion that whoever these mayan builders were their knowledge of architecture was not slowly evolved by them but came to them a veritable gift of the gods already developed from some foreign source what that source was we shall endeavour to show in the next chapter the point to be dealt with here is what were the ethnical affinities of the mayans themselves to what branch of the great american family do they belong we have endeavoured to show that the mysterious disappearance of the toltecs and the traditionary account of their flight south point very clearly to the conclusion that the country south of mexico was at the arrival of the aztecs inhabited by the kindred of those so-called toltecs a curious corroboration of this is to be found in the existence of a tribe known as the 
Huastecas, who form a colony around the Panuco River in the east of Mexico, and on the adjoining coast of the Gulf. Every ethnologist agrees that these people are pure Mayans, but the puzzle has been to explain their presence in Mexico, where today there are no other pure Mayans. The usual explanation is that they represent a solitary immigration from Yucatan. Is this at all likely? Is it possible to believe that a mere handful of emigrants could have succeeded in making a lodgment on the Mexican coast in the face of the certain opposition they would have met with from the militant Aztecs? It would have been almost an impossibility, nor does the piece of country held by the Huastecas possess any of those features which might be expected to attract immigrants. It seems to us far more likely that these Huastecas represent a remnant of the original inhabitants of Mexico, expelled by the Aztecs, that while the bulk fled southward, a small band moved eastward unnoticed, and established themselves on the Panuco River, the Aztecs being too occupied with their conquests in the south to trouble much about them. Thus, with some years to consolidate their position, they either remained unmolested, or were actually able to hold their own against the Aztecs till the conquest. This seems a far more reasonable explanation of the presence of these undoubted Mayans in the east of Mexico. As the Aztecs pushed their way into the north of Mexico, the vast majority of peaceful Mayans, no match for the warlike strangers, fled naturally south, save these few Huastecas, who, going eastward, were either strong enough to repulse their foes, or took refuge in lands which did not attract the Aztecs so much as the rich valleys of central Mexico, and thus formed a permanent settlement on the east coast, while their kinsfolk joined the Mayan populations of Yucatan and Guatemala. But when you have assumed that the Toltecs were Mayans, you are still confronted by an ethnological problem. It has proved curiously difficult to classify the Mayans among the other peoples of America. The Aztecs are satisfactorily accounted for as Shoshones, a tribe of the Athapascans, and some ethnologists have tried to prove that the Mayans are also of the same stock. These efforts have proved futile. All available evidence is against such a conclusion. Physically, the two peoples are quite separate, even today. The most casual observer traveling in the two countries of Mexico and Yucatan must be struck, as we were, by the marked distinction in features and general physique between the two. But a still more cogent proof of their separation is afforded by a study of the two languages. They are quite different in structure, vocabulary, and everything. But this very question of language has enabled D.G. Brinton to track the Mayans to their stock. By a careful comparison of 100 Natchez, an Appalachian tribe, words with their equivalents in the Mayan dialects, he has proved a very remarkable affinity between the two languages. Of these hundred, he writes, five have affinities more or less marked to words peculiar to the huastecas of the river panuco thirteen to words common to aztecas and mayan and thirty-nine to words of similar meaning in the latter language this linguistic similarity would be remarkable by itself 
but when you find that physically such Appalachian tribes as the Seminoles and Creeks are strikingly like the Mayan type, and when you realize that this Appalachian stock was all round the land of the Mayans, it is difficult to resist the conclusion that the Mayans must be ultimately referred to this stock. The Appalachians joined Mexico on the northeast, they stretched down the peninsula of Florida and probably originally inhabited Cuba and some of the West Indian islands before the arrival there of the powerful Arawak people who were found in the islands by the Spanish. Being thus all round Mexico and Yucatan, it would be curious if some of the Appalachians were not found in those countries. Ethnological data are woefully lacking in all questions affecting the vast congeries of peoples which go to form the aborigines of the two Americas. But it would certainly seem that philologically, physically and geographically we here have such evidence as points very clearly to the Mayans being a remote offshoot of the Appalachian stock. But if they are Appalachians, they certainly did not derive their building skill from their ancestors. Florida and the eastern states are devoid of all ancient buildings. The much-discussed mounds of the Mississippi district have not the remotest relationship with the temples and palaces of Yucatan, but are probably totemic symbols, nothing more or less. On this subject, Professor Cyrus Thomas, in Problems of the Ohio Mounds, Washington, 1889, writes, Mexico, Central America, and Peru are dotted with the ruins of stone edifices, but in all the mound-building area of the United States, not the slightest vestige of one attributable to the people who erected the eastern structures is to be found though hundreds of groups of mounds marking the sites of ancient villages are to be seen scattered over the mississippi valley and the gulf states yet nowhere can there be found an ancient house it is true that the island of cuba has never been really thoroughly explored but enough has been done to show that there are no building finds likely there Senor Andres Poy, in a paper on Cuban antiquities, read before the American Ethnological Society in 1855, speaks of the great scarcity in the island of relics of stones. Only four statues, very rude representations of anthropoid ape-like mammals, had been found. As monkeys were not known to have ever existed in Cuba, it would certainly seem as if these carvings had been brought over from Yucatan, with the Mayan inhabitants of which country it is certain that the Cuban Arawaks traded. The stone implements and earthenware vases found have also, for the most part, been attributed to the same source. Of stone buildings the Arawaks had none. The villages consisted, says D. G. Brinton, writing in the American Archaeologist of October 1898, of ten to twelve communal houses, always perishable, none having been heard of as stone. If then the Mayans are akin to the Appalachians, there is no trace among their kindred of such elementary forms of building as would have certainly been found if the architecture which has made them so famous had been naturally developed. Thus we are bound to conclude that it was exotic, 
that they learnt it from some foreign visitors to their territory long after they had split off and migrated thither from the Appalachian centre. Who those foreign visitors were, we will try to prove in the succeeding chapter. Here let us summarize the foregoing pages as follows. 1. The Toltec theory is myth, not history. 2. The Toltecs were never an historical nationality. 3. The word Toltec was a nickname given by the invading Aztecs to the race inhabiting Mexico on their arrival. 4. The Toltecs were Mayans, the ancestors, with their kinsmen further south, of those Mayan peoples today, as at the Spanish conquest inhabiting Central America from the isthmus of Tehuantepec in southern Mexico to the frontier of Nicaragua. 5. The Mayans are of the Appalachian stock, and had long been settled in Central America before the invasion of the Aztecs. 6. The architectural skill of the Mayans was not developed by them naturally, but was introduced from a foreign country some centuries before the Aztecs invaded their northernmost possessions. End of section 22